0: This podcast is brought to you by the award-winning prop firm, Fidel Crest.
1: Hey, uh, show him your last paycheck. And I was like, oh, cool. like, what is it? He showed me and it was 40 grand. And I was like, you made 40 grand and how long did that take you? He's like, this was my last week's paycheck.
0: <laughs> right.
1: And he was my age, you know. Right, really. That. And I was dead broke at the time. I was just extremely, extremely broke. We lived in a trailer home and, uh, you know, my dad got laid off and, you know, I didn't really have gas money. So... I had to use uh, like whatever was left in my account, I think it was a couple hundred bucks to pay for the, the test to become a broker. When I was taking those small accounts from like 500 to 15K, I was realizing that the, the amount of money wasn't making me happy. It wasn't like satisfying because I was making so much on my past career. You know, uh, you know, I was used to like a $20,000 day consistently. So making that, I was like, oh, I can make more, I can make way more. If I just buy more expensive contracts, hold it, see what happens and you know, maybe I could take the 7K to 40K. If
0: you had to sort of do a comparison between smart money and this, what you're doing now, Absolutely. what's the difference? So smart money. uh, So you'll hear this
1: a lot from smart money guys, right? Uh, No smart money guy really is getting above like a 50% win rate. Most of the time it's going to be around 40 to 30%, right? Because they're sacrificing the win rate for the higher R. Right, so when I was trading smart money, you know the R could be one to ten, one to fifteen, one to twenty, but the win rate was like thirty, thirty-five. Sometimes on a bad month, it'd be like twenty. You know, but your R would make up for those losses.
0: Episode two hundred eleven. We got Evan Christopher on the show today. Now this is not just a fantastic trading story, but a fantastic life story as well. So he was earning twenty k a day before he even started trading. Uh, Then he turned to smart money concepts. Now he's doing another style, and hint starts with m you're going to find all that out in the show so stay tuned now last week i did mention that i was going to jump on and do a live stream i did it last friday night my time london session we ran it for about an hour took three trades if you want to find out how it went go and check it out on the trading night youtube channel probably not going to be around forever so now is the chance to jump on there i'm going to probably jump on now and again and we're going to try and pass a fidel crest funding challenge so stay tuned for that other things last week we ran the robot builders club boot camp where we created a bot called the lady River strategy. This spot is going to be available for anyone that joins the Robot Builders Club this January or February 2023 and you guys will get access to the recordings that we did in the boot camp and the download of that Lazy River strategy. Now to get it mention Lazy River in an email to me when you join. Alright folks enough from me let's hear from my sponsor Fidel Crest. Fidel Crest is an award-winning prop firm that funds traders with up to two million dollars and offers generous profit splits up to 90 percent. So one thing that really sets Fidel Crest apart is they no minimum trading days requirement on their challenge and verification stages. On top of that, traders who successfully pass the challenge and verification stages are eligible to receive a bonus payout of up to 30 k on top of their funded stage profit split payout on performance. And be sure to use promo code TRADINGNUT, all one word, to get 10% off your next challenge. Click the link in the description below or the card above to find out more. ho, folks, here we are. We've got Evan Christopher here on the show. Uh, Evan is the author of uh, the Market Makers matrix uh, a book which has been around for a while and there's um some great reviews on it and it really is a game changer for a lot of people we've had past guest lewis kelly actually recommend that book for people to read so i don't know if some of you listeners or watchers have read that so welcome to the show evan how's it going how's everybody Yeah, oh, look i mean i'm I, I, i'm i'm look, itching to get your story here because i know you've been trading for 16 years uh from when you first started so i want to hear um all of all that journey along the way and how you managed to break it uh down to the point where you were able to create a book which is now helping other traders so do you want to start off with all the way back to the age of 16
1: yeah so i was actually in school and i would read the paper every day uh the stock part of it you know i didn't know what i was looking at i was like okay what is this all about and i would study the paper every single day. I would just go. To down to the liquor store, get the newspaper, and I'll just study the uh, the prices. I didn't know what they meant. I didn't know anything, and I'd get in trouble. You know, they were like, "Oh, what are you trying to do? You Become a stockbroker?" This and that, and then uh, you know, I had to stop doing that. But then I was just really interested uh, in the markets at that point. That I went on to apply for a Series Three license so that I could trade commodities. Um, and that when I walked into that firm. Um, the guy pitched me, he was like, Hey, you know, here's a book. And it was like the size of a Bible. And it was about the uh, rules and regulations. And then the other part was about the math side of it. And he's like, you got two weeks to study this. And then you can become a broker. I was like, sit, you know, I'll do it. And then he called in this, this kid who was my age at the time. But at that point it had been two years. And I had done a bunch of trading with my dad, uh, like in options, we did all these like optionetics. I don't know if you've heard of optionetics. Oh
0: yeah, way back in the day, I did yeah, optionetics. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we were doing optionetics
1: together. We went to a couple of the uh, seminars and then my dad opened up a brokerage account and I wasn't old enough at the time. So, you know, I was trading with my dad um, and that just kept sparking my interest in the markets that eventually, yeah, when I applied at the blo- uh, the brokers uh, at the firm, they gave me two weeks and then he invited some kid in there and he's like, hey, uh, show him your last paycheck. And I was like, cool. I'm like, what is it? He showed me, and it was 40 grand. And I was like, you made 40 grand? And how long did that take you? He's like, this was my last week's paycheck.
0: <laughs> right.
1: And he was my age, you know. Right, and I'm really. And, and I was dead broke at the time. I was just extremely, extremely broke. Uh, we lived in a trailer home. And, uh, you know, my dad got laid off and, you know, I didn't really have gas money, so I had to use uh, like whatever was left in my account. I think it was a couple hundred bucks to pay for the uh, the test to become a broker. And then I studied every single day, and I took the test, and I passed the math, but then I failed the rules and regulations. And then I went back to the broker that tried to hire me, and he's like, he's like, you really studied in two weeks? I was like, yeah, I did. He's like, oh, he's like, we were just saying that. He's like. <laughs> We just wanted you to study. He said like, you have money. <laughs> and I was like, well, shit, now I, can't, now I can't even, you know, pay for another test. So after that, I went on to get a job. And then, uh, like, during, you know, the mortgage era where everybody was making money in mortgages. And, you know, I, you know, learned how to do sales and whatnot. And then that job just wasn't working out. And so I went online to figure out how to make money. You know, how can I make money online? And eventually that led me into this long career of affiliate marketing, where I ended up becoming one of the biggest affiliates. Um, making, I was making millions of dollars a year and, uh, you know, I did it from nothing. Um, and that's what I had done for about 10, 11 years after. And then COVID happened. Um, and, and before that, I was still dabbling in trading, I was still, I was actually into uh, penny stocks a lot at that time, but uh, after, you know I was I was already making so much money that I didn't really care to find a different type of skill set. Um, I had already mastered one. So uh, right around COVID time, like I had lost all the money I made, just millions of dollars, just out the window, just lost within a short uh, amount of time, like maybe three or four years. Uh, that was due to just me, you know, being reckless, young, you know. I bought a couple of nightclubs and then a restaurant that just completely failed. And then, uh, you know, I did some software ventures, you know, I think I lost half a million dollars in, in some sort of software venture that I was doing. And that was more of like an ego thing. Like I just, I really wanted this software. It was a, it was a traffic network where I was brokering and selling traffic, which was doing good. Uh, but then I wanted to build software for it and I kind of bit off more than I can chew and I came, I guess, you know, that poker term "pot committed where I was so invested into mm-hmm. it that I couldn't back out at that point. So yeah. I lost a ton of money doing that. Uh, basically lost my company um, and then restarted from the ground up. And my last like winning campaign in that would we call them campaigns. Uh, we made, you know, around hundred thousand dollars on that. And at that point COVID had happened and I said, okay, well, COVID's happening. That means advertising prices are gonna go way up. I'm not gonna be able to afford this, you know, to, to continue this venture anymore. I have to find a different skill set. Um, so I was sitting in one of my hotels at the time. Uh, I, was just, I was just having fun, you know, just going to hotel to hotel, different cities. Now I was sitting in the hotel, COVID happened, and I found this guy, uh, his name is Ty Cody. Shout out to Ty Cody. Uh, And he's an options trader and, you know, he was selling this course for 1500 bucks. So I was like, you know, screw it. I'm going to buy this and see what I can do with this. So, you know, I bought his course and it was going through all the basic stuff, support resistance, candlestick patterns, all that, uh, you know, heavily on the MACD and, you know a bunch of different indicators. And, you know, a lot of people say like indicators, support resistance, they don't work, they do work. And you just have a different lens that you're looking at the market through. Um, but at that time I was actually consistent, you know, uh, after learning, like after what he had taught me, uh, you know, I was growing these small accounts on the options market too. You know, I was growing these small accounts, like from 500 to 15 K in like a week. Uh, you know, and I did that multiple times, but then there was this lack of consistency. There was just like these small accounts that would just go to these huge numbers, but then my psychology was all messed up. So out of nowhere, I would just. You know, sometimes I would—I think now, like, what was I thinking? Because I would buy like a seven thousand dollar contract for no reason, like, oh, I'm just going to buy this Tesla seven thousand dollar contract, weekly expiration, and see what happens. You know, it became like this gamble. And then I realized um, when I was taking those small accounts from like five hundred to fifteen k, uh, I was realizing that the the amount of money wasn't making me happy. It wasn't like satisfying because I was making so much on my past. Uh, career you know uh, you know I was used to like a $20,000 day consistently so making that I was like oh I can make more I can make way more if I just buy more expensive contracts hold it see what happens and you know maybe I could take the 7k to 40k so that mindset really was detrimental to like my early trading um, career because you know I was just always aiming for these huge home runs all the time. Like it just it was the biggest lesson that you know that I had to learn is to hey, this isn't like a sprint. This is a journey. And you got to take your time uh, and grow the account and develop the skill set to be able to be consistent. Because yeah, you, you're able to like, you know, a lot of people can take a small account and flip it, but that's over a long period of time, it's not sustainable. You know, especially if the risk management goes out of the window, they have no trade plan, if they're not journaling, they're not tracking they're with, statistics is just not gonna end up panning out over a long period of time. So, yeah, so from there, uh, from learning, you know, from the options market, I learned uh, a bit about a different way of risk management, uh, which was, so there was a guy, and he's on YouTube, you can check him out, uh, his name's 13 Market Moves, I don't know if you heard of him. Nice. Uh, 13 market moves, and you know, I watched one of his videos where he took four thousand into four hundred thousand in three days, in the options market, and I was really impressed. You know, but what, what kind of stood out to me was like, why does he? You know, he just took four thousand to four hundred thousand. Why didn't he leave that money in his account? Like, why didn't he leave at least leave like a big chunk? And you know, people would ask him like, Hey, why why every time you grow an account, you start with like a 2,000, you know, or four thousand? he never would deposit like 50 grand, 100 grand into his account. But he would make, you know, a couple hundred grand and pull it out and then just put back four. So what he would do is he would wait for the market to align for a perfect trade and he would use that 4,000. So let's say he took 4,000 to 10. And during that week, because he had, a, he had a really good, he was a very good fundamental. Uh, he's really good on fundamentals. Mm. He knows fundamentals. So he can prepare for, you know, let's say, a month in advance of when to use that 4,000 or 5,000 to grow to those exponential mu- numbers. Right. The money, he pulls it out and then just deposits a little bit back in, you know? So I kind of took that type of uh, risk management approach. So I'll deposit some money in there and then I'll grow it to a bigger number and then I'll pull it out. Um, so that's kind of the way I risk. And it also allows me to risk a bigger percentage. So let's say I have a bigger bankroll, uh, I'll take a piece of that bankroll, but then I'll be able to risk five to ten percent of that bankroll. Um, but anyways, from from that part of it, you know, from the options part, I switched uh, because, like I said, that that point of consistency just wasn't there, and I was just like, all right, you know, I keep blowing these uh, these option accounts, and I think I lost around sixty thousand dollars in like maybe my first year. Um, So I I just started studying on YouTube and then I came across ICT. Um, I came across one of his videos um, randomly. It was just like a random video. I never studied the Forex market. I actually thought it was a scam. I was like, you know, what is this? The MT4 looks like a scam. These brokers look like a scam. I didn't understand what a PIP was. I started researching on baby PIPs and then I came across an ICT video. And then, you know, he he pinpointed like a spot in the market and it just reacted from there. I was like... That's pretty impressive. You know, like what is that? And then he said, This is a this is a fair value gap. So I was like, okay, like what is a fair value gap? So I started looking into it. I was like, wow, that's that's pretty impressive. And it makes sense, you know. This actually makes a a ton of sense. And then it wasn't until I actually paid to take a mentorship with a guy named Aves from AKFX. Shout out to Aves. That guy is probably one of the best traders. I've ever seen and you know he was not really studying ICT but the concepts that he was practicing were essentially close enough it was more supply and demand and um you know they were still using fair value gaps and stuff like that um and he had this mentorship and it really you know it really affected my trade like learning from somebody actually helped me a lot and learning from him you know he was a great teacher he was very like the way he would explain things and he has a youtube channel uh akfx uh you guys can check out it's all free stuff um uh, you know and the way he explained things made it really really simple to understand and then maybe uh, about a year later you know he, he started trading gold before he used to trade the euro and uh that was about it he never really traded anything else it was just euro and uh, he started trading gold but then he started doing this, this other thing, you know, which was support and resistance. And then I was kind of shocked. I was like, wait, what? I thought support and resistance is like kind of the retail the side of things. You know, I was like, that doesn't make sense to me. And he started posting these, these charts with his entries where he was swinging his trades for weeks, but just catching every single swing point up and down. And I was like, I got to know how to do that you know, because I was naturally scalping. I was naturally just scalping the market in and out, you know, and, you know, that was my style. I was just scalping, but I wanted to, understand. it was just like a puzzle to me. I was like, why can't I hold these trades? They always come back. I can scalp, great, but I can't hold these trades. And sometimes I don't want to be on the charts all day. You know, when I'm scalping, it's mm-hmm. instead of a like a one hour or two hour day, it's just I'm trading the entire session and sometimes i'm not even catching a trade because my setup's not there and when abe was posting his swings i was like okay support and resistance you know that's weird so i started going back to the charts looking at support and resistance and, um, and then you know i asked him about it. he's like he's like hey bro it's not it's not youtube support and resistance it's, it's a different thing and i was like well what is these it? like, "It's malaysian snr i was like malaysian snr so malaysians man these guys they can trade like i've never seen before um these malaysian traders are honestly probably some of the best traders that i've seen and what they developed which is basically uh it's called advanced snr or technique snr is a completely different view of snr strategies it's not just uh, support and resistance zones it's actually very very accurate and the way uh, they approach the market makes so much more sense than anything I did with smart money, right? So when I was trading smart money, that made sense, but then there was that, that issue of holding my trades through, you know, um, and, and understanding like the direction, like the overall main direction of a move, right? Because you have multiple timeframes, you have H1, H4, daily, weekly, monthly, and they're all, sometimes they're aligned in the direction, and sometimes they're going in opposite directions, so you can get really lost, especially when you start dialing down to the lower timeframes, like in 15 and five and one, you know? And so to me, I was like, okay, I can trade M one and M five and M 15 fairly easily. I can trade those and, and make, uh, you know, scouts, a couple, couple scalps a day and, you know, be done, but I want to learn how to hold and swing my trade. So I don't have to be on the charts. So that's where my journey started into this Malaysian SNR, which is very hard to, it's very hard to learn because you have the language barrier, you know. So it, it was it was really difficult. So I kept seeking out mentors for you know the, the whole advanced SNR, and I probably went through about ten and eleven of them uh, until I found one that was really you know like. Could, could speak English very well and, you know, show me the right path because some of them, you know, they, they would teach you, but it just didn't make sense. Or some of it would just give you a little piece and you just couldn't really like put it together until you had like a real solid mentor. Um, yeah. And that mentor completely changed my trading and it just opened my view of the markets into just a completely, completely different perspective. There's nothing like I ever seen before. Had nothing to do with smart money. There was no. I didn't have to worry about liquidity. I didn't have to, uh, you know, do the classic stop on break the market structure, return to origin. I didn't have to do that. I didn't have to pay attention to cycles. I didn't have to pay attention to timing. Um, so to me, it just it kind of freed me up from mental capital, right? Because when trading smart money, you have to you have a lot of things that you have to uh, reference before even entering the trade. You know what I mean? I have to, I have to make sure that you know I came out of a higher time frame supply or demand zone or order block, whatever you want to call. It. I have to make sure that there was a liquidity run. I have to make sure that there was a fair value gap that price can come into. But then, even if it does come into a fair value gap, does it come into consequent encroachment, or does it come to the high end of the uh, supply zone on order, order block? You know, so there were certain things that there just I was missing a lot of trades, right? So when I was trading smart money even though I had the patience to wait for the trade to come to me, there was times where I would just wait four or five hours and the trade would never come. It would just run, you know? I'm like, dang, like how I keep missing the trade. And sometimes I miss trade because a lot of smart money traders, I, I don't know uh, from the ones you've talked to or whatnot, but you know, uh, a lot of them use M1. We use M1 a lot in uh, SMC, M1, M5. And when you're using M1, you're always trying to get these three to like less than 10 pip stops, right? Like, most time, five, three, three pips. And then you also have to factor in the spread, but then you're also missing some of those trades. Like because you're on such a low time frame, you're missing a lot of the opportunities, right? Meanwhile, guys like me, we're trading, the lowest time frame I go to now is H1. That's it. And that's even rare. I'm usually on H4. So I'm not missing the trades, you know, and I'm still getting sniper entries. I'm still getting very, very low drawdown. Still getting very low uh, stop losses, right? Uh, typical stop loss for me is under fifteen pips, right? Unless I'm trading US thirty, and depending on the market volatility of US thirty, you know that can range anywhere from fifteen to thirty. So you know I'm still still getting the same type of entries, and and it's almost like the same analysis, right? But without having to do all the other work, like I don't yeah. have to pay attention to all the other factors that go into smart money concepts. Now. I'm not saying that smart money concepts don't work. They absolutely work. You know. And I still view the markets from that perspective sometimes because after all those months and sweat equity of hours into those, you know, sessions, like that's just ingrained in my brain. So I still view the markets in that way sometimes, but uh, the way I trade now is just completely different than I had ever expected it to be.
0: And, and if you had to break down the the, I suppose the stats around. When you were doing smart money versus what you're doing now with this advanced SNR kind of stuff, what would what would they look like? I'm Sorry, say that again. If you broke down the stats, so like for example, win rates, risk to rewards, frequency of trades, if you had to sort of do a comparison between smart money and this, what you're doing now, uh, so what's the difference?
1: So smart money. Uh, so you'll hear this a lot from smart money guys, right? Uh, no smart money guy really is getting above like a fifty percent win rate Most of the time, it's going to be around 40 to 30%, right? Because they're sacrificing the win rate for the higher R, right? So when I was trading smart money, uh, you know, the R could be one to 10, one to 15, one to 20, uh, but the win rate was like 30, 35. Sometimes on a bad month, it'd be like 20, you know, but your R would make up for those losses. Um, And then when you're scalping, so scalping is a little different. Scalping you're not really, at least the way I was scalping, um, my win rate was around 80, like 80 to 85% win rate, but my RR was like 0. 0.5 to 1, right? So it wasn't a big RR when you were scalping, but it was, you were taking huge, massive lots. Like I would take like a 5 or a 10 lot on US 30 and just hold it for a few seconds, you know, it'd be like maybe a minute, but you would make, you know, grand, two grand off of that. But if you if you let that SL get hit, like you're in for a big, you know, drawdown. Um, so your win rate had to be really high on those type of trades. But um, when, you know, if I was trading something like Euro or GU, GDP, JPY, RR, you know, it, it really depends because sometimes a trade could go like for a one to 20, but then your psychology, if you're not ready for that one to 20, your psychology starts picking in where you start partialing out too soon and you're not even realizing you're on a one minute chart, buddy. You know, like you you got a long way to go before you exiting this trade. So it could it could potentially turn into a one to 50, one to 60, but you you exited so early because your psychology isn't there to hold a one to 20 trade in, in a mm-hmm. full position. Usually you're going to be taking partials out of like a one to five. Uh, if you're really like, I, I would say, a one to 10 is still kind of sketchy to take a, a, a partial at, or not yes. sketchy. It's kind of uh, early to take a partial at, especially on M1. Uh, but you know, most, most guys are, are taking partials at one to three and then letting the rest of their position win. So you're not even really getting a true RR of what, what most people show. Most people are, told, oh, look at this trade mm-hmm. went to 20, but you took partials at one to three, one to seven, one to 10, one to 15. You Basically ended up with like a one to four you know, in total. Uh, But for me, with the uh, Malaysian stuff, my typical RR is about one to five. So for me, um, I swing, I intra swing. So I won't hold a position for a whole week unless it's on a Friday. Unless I took a position on a Friday, then I'll probably hold it till the next week. But typically I'm closing all my positions within the week uh, just to avoid any, you know, huge uh, gaps in the market, you know, out of nowhere, uh, like if something gaps in my SL, which has happened in the past where something gaps in my SL. Um, so I usually close everything by the end of the week. Typical win rate is probably around 60, 65. And then, yeah, RR is one to five. But the thing is with RR, it's a little because I hedge as well. So I'm in cells and I'm in buys. So if I'm in a sell and a buy, and if, if you looked at my Instagram, like all in, my stories, you'll see that I'll have multiple positions. I'll have, you
0: know, mm. like. Four, yeah. Four, just four see ones. one where a stop loss was on either side and I'm like, hang on a sec, how does that work? <laughs> so yeah. that was obviously answers that question.
1: Right. Right. I'll have like four entries. I'll catch a low, catch another low. Maybe I'll sell a high and then take a buy in between. And at that point, it, that's what, you know, trapping the market. Now it does, I'm not at the will of them anymore. I just let the trade run however however it wants to go. Uh, so if it wants to go up, it'll just stop me out break even, but I have a position below. If it wants to go, you know down, then it'll stop me out of my my position, and I'll have my cell position at the top. So you know for me, that's uh, and not only that, but I'm always keeping something going. So like let's say I hit my one to five rr, I'll take you know, let's say fifty percent off the table, but I'll let the rest run indefinitely. You know, so let's say I take a like, let's say I have a cell it goes on one to five, I take 50% off and then I have a buy below and it takes the buy out. Like let's say I have a buy limit below and it takes it out It hits my SL. That position that I had at the top that's running one to five is now making up for that loss that I had at the bottom that I took. Right. Mm. And then I'll just keep holding that trade. So I'm always having something running to, pro- to protect my account from any major losses. It kind of just gives me a buffer, you know, and mm. then, I basically, you know, like I'll know when uh, there's there's a point where, you know, okay, this is a zone or not a zone, but this is an area that I know I'm going to get an explosive move from that I can hold for a longer period of time, right? Because there are moves in the market that are intraday moves that aren't going to last, but there's still money on the table that you're going to leave out. But there's moves that are also, okay, this move is probably going to have a high probability of lasting for a week or two weeks, I should probably put more size on this one. I have my hedge position at top just in case anything goes wrong. And I can hold this trade. This is a trade that I know I can hold based on the way I trade, the techniques mm. that, that I'm trading, right? So there's, a, there's times where the market aligns, where you can take a bigger trade with bigger size and hold it longer. And when those happen, uh, those, are, those are kind of like, what make up for any type of loss that you're going to take uh, along the way, right? Like as long, we call it the journey, like especially when you trade trading gold, we call it riding the dragon. So especially when you're riding the dragon, you know, price is going to, there's going to be a point of no return where just price is never going to come back to that for a very, very, very long time. And you're going to have sell opportunities. There's no reason for me not to take sell opportunities, especially, um, you know, the market isn't something that you can predict 100%. So even though that area could tell me this is a, a point of a long-term buy and I still need to take that sell. If I still have that set up and there's still an indication of selling that's going to happen, I still want to take that sell, make some money on it and still hold a piece of that position in case I was wrong about my initial analysis. right? So for me, uh, it's a lot about the market flow, how, how it's moving, the tendencies that it has to... When I say tendencies, I mean how it ticks up and down, right? Like how it creates its structure. Every pair has its own characteristics, especially gold. And gold to me is very, very forgiving. Like it it follows structure very well uh, for for my strategy. Right. And for somebody else, it could you could not even see structure on it. You'd be like, I don't see any structure on gold. Gold is risky. It's too it's too volatile or whatever you know the issue is with their specific trading strategy. But for me, in the strategy that I trade, gold is perfect. It's almost it's there's no Flaw in it, you know. Gold is is very forgiving, and you know that tendency that it has to go up and down. It can also have that moment where you were wrong in your analysis, and it'll just drop. It'll just drop and just beat all the expectations that you had in your head. But I still caught the trade because I'm not. I I'm certain in the uncertainty. Mm. Of,
0: okay. okay. Now, so, now, did did you with this uh, hedging? approach i mean first of all how did you come up with it
1: i didn't it's just um it's it's how when you learn the you know the malaysian style of trading they all do this they all they all like like you'll see like my charts aren't that crazy at all compared to some of them but they have just positions like in months like months back they'll have positions that they're holding from the top they have the top of gold right now Top of goal, all the swing points, and they're just stacking in every single position, and then they're also buying in between points because I'll, I'll go over it when we go over the trade but Yeah, so it's, so it's,
0: it's still a, it's it's not necessarily, I suppose, a, an uneducated hedge. It is a hedge based on this is just another entry, but it may be not as long term entry as the as the first one. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Okay.
1: So yeah, you know, and it's it's cool because it's no longer. Like when, when you really get into this style of training, it's more like making an art. You're kind of like, these are the trades that I put on and I caught every swing point. Look at the weekly chart. Like you have every point, every daily point, And it's it's cool, you know, like it, a lot of the, uh, there's some essence guys that can do it, that can do that type of thing. Uh, I've seen a couple guys. guys, uh, but most of the time, you know, they're on M1 and 15. Uh, you know, and they'll take multiple entries. They'll stack in positions, but it's, it's it's a little different when you're trading Malaysian style. It's it's a lot more longer term holds. Mm-hmm. You're holding hours mm-hmm. or daily, daily positions, like.
0: And what what about like the so sort of the frequency of trades versus the other the other uh, smart money scalping and what you're doing now? What how does that look?
1: Uh, you mean how many trades I
0: take a day? A day or a week, yeah, something like that.
1: Uh, so sometimes, like, with my with my students, like, they've seen me trade from, like, London to London, you know, where I've just taken the whole intraday, like, every single move, ping-ponging back and forth the whole session. That's when I get bored, you know, and I'm just like, all right, let's just put on some trades. But typically, I'm taking one or two trades a day, tops, one to two. Uh, if I'm If I'm bored and I feel like really trading, because a lot of people miss see a lot of people think that trading like doing the act of trading is what's making you money but that's not what it is it's most of the time your your patience is what's paying you you know most of the time doing trading isn't what's going to make you money you know you doing analysis isn't making you money it's you being patient for the price to come to you and then understanding how to execute that uh, is what's gonna make you money, not the act of when you take a trade, when you take a trade, when you take a trade all day long. Yeah, uh, that's not that's not what is gonna you know make you a consistent long term uh successful trader. You have I to see. you have to really understand your strategy. If you understand your strategy, yeah, you can you can spot an entry or a setup, but then you also have to know when that setup is going to possibly hit you know your SL when you're not safe in the trade anymore when the trade is probably like overdue now the trades you should have taken profits already you know when the the point of it switching direction is going to be so those <clears throat> those factors uh you know you could trade all day i guess but for me it, it's it's not about that you don't when have I, to yeah right when i was first starting out it was just trade all day there's as many trades as i can get in you know and that that's obviously doesn't work that's over trading you know so uh, yeah, I don't, I don't try to take more than one or two trades a day. Okay. Um, and if I do, it's just cause I'm bored and I just want to just do something impressive. Right. Okay.
0: Now, what, what about, um, what about like, so you talked about what back in the day when you're doing the affiliate stuff, you were making 20 grand a day. Uh, have you found that you're now able to sort of eclipse that or get to a level that no. you're now going, no. or is it, have you changed your mindset around that, that kind of thing?
1: No, I haven't reached that level yet. I Haven't reached a twenty grand every single day thing. It's a different business model. Uh, with affiliate stuff, it's you set up a campaign, right? But it could take you four years. It could take. It took me four years to to see the success in it. Um, and when I did, when I did see the success, because okay, here's the difference. When when you're doing affiliate marketing, you can set up a campaign and you get data back, right? You get ad data. What what landing pages worked? You know what ad networks worked. What traders worked. And then you can say, okay, I have data that I purchased and I can use that data. Okay, this placement wasn't working. This ad creative wasn't working, but this one was. So I can invest my money into that to that specific placement, that ad creative, that funnel, whatever. So you're buying data. When you're trading, you're also buying data. But unless you're viewing it that way, you're going to be lost. Because a lot of people are just, they're taking trades, but they don't know why they took the trade or they're, they're not extracting any sort of data from it. So it's just a waste of money, and that's what keeps you in the loop of losing consistently because you're not, you're not extracting the data. You're just, you're just trading, and, and you're, you're, not even, you're probably using the same strategy and wondering why it's not working, right? Like you're like, okay, uh, if I trade, let's just say, for example, a FIB level, a 62% retracement level. If I keep trading that, maybe this way, this time, today, whatever, it will work. But there's no significant uh, extraction out of that. You know what I mean? They're not, they're not building a data set where they can say, okay, here are, you know, the trades that are working and here are the trades that are not working. And I need to focus on the aspects of my trading system that do work versus the ones that don't like I'm, I'm wasting money trading without having data. And the best part is with trading is you can do it for free. You yeah. get all that you need for free with marketing. You can't do it for free. You can't just go and run ads for free. Right. So For me, when I was doing the uh, affiliate stuff, it took four years of losing money until I hit something that made me a ton of money. And at that point, it was, you know, there was more time into that, that, uh, you know, four years of my life went into trying to make, you know, a million dollars. And then, then, yeah, it it paid off eventually, you know, I made it, but uh, it just, it's different than trading. With trading, you could... You could trade for six months and if you do everything correctly and you, you really take, you know, advice of people and not have this ego, uh, you could be profitable after six months. You could be profitable after a year, you know, if, if you really, you know, buckle down and got your psychology going and, you know, not try to rush the process, you could really, you know, do something good. You, maybe not even be profitable, at least a break-even trader, which is still a good thing to have in the first six months or a year you
0: know what what about like you're talking about data there i mean what did you do around the knowledge and the data you had when you had the snr advanced stuff how did you how did you sort of get that confidence in it uh, to start trading in live
1: so i was just i was extracting data from certain points in the market of where a reaction is most likely going to happen and the specific entry model for them, when price reaches a certain level so I started building up a spreadsheet, you know, I had a spreadsheet and I would track, okay, is it better to sell from, let's say, a resistance becomes support or a support becomes resistance? Is it better to sell from that or buy from that, sell or buy from that level? Or is it better just to sell or buy from resistance or support, right? So if I was selling, you have, you know, you have three levels uh, where you can take a sell from. You have resistance, you have a QM level, quasi motor level, and then you have your support becomes resistance level. Now, those are three data points. And then we also take the data point from, let's say a daily key level, okay? When we hit a daily key level, and we form that certain market structure, which point does it typically come back to? Does it come back to the resistance becomes support, or support becomes resistance? Does it come back to the QM level, or does it come back to resistance? Which one is more frequent? So those are the type of data sets that I was building And then I would look at, okay, we came from a daily level. Where are we most likely headed if we broke structure on the daily versus if we broke structure on H4? Are we most likely headed to the next daily support or are we most likely headed to an H4 support? You know, so those are the kind of things that I was building. And then I was also like, man, my journey was building pretty crazy, but, uh, you know, I I had tried so many things, so many different types of strategies, Wyckoff uh, SMC, all those things. And Wyckoff, I would say was pretty good. Honestly, Wyckoff, uh, you know, it it, it had a lot of validity to it. Um, it's just like, but not like the way a lot of people were teaching it was wrong because in Wyckoff, you have volume, which people just overlook. And even now people just use choke. There's one piece of Wyckoff, you know, and they're basing the whole entire analysis off that. Like it's a magic pill, but it's it's not, you know, it's just another lens to look at the market. You know, there's some elements of Wyckoff that are in ICT's theories. Uh, there is some elements of Wyckoff into the Malaysian SNR. Uh, there's pieces of Wyckoff that are in Elliott Waves, you know, so it's just whatever lens you're looking at the market through, you just kind of stick to one thing and master it. But with Wyckoff, I couldn't master it because. I couldn't find anything on the volume side of it. You know, just this one PDF online that was talking a little bit about the volume. There was that, that Ruben guy, I forgot his last name. Uh, I tried to study his stuff a little bit, but there was just not enough about the volume for me to be able to take Wipe Off in a more effective way. Okay. Um, I, I could read the, you know, the phases and um, you know, the basic uh, schematics of Wipe Off. But you know, without the volume, and especially with the currencies um, and trading whatever data feature you're getting, it's kind of hard to dictate what is the accurate volume. You know? yeah,
0: that's that's the difficulty around the the volume in and, and forex. I mean, what about the your decision to write a book, the book, The Market Makers' Matrix. What was the genesis of that, and what's somebody going to learn if they if they pick that book up and and read it?
1: Yeah, so that book it it was the weirdest thing. I had I woke up in the morning. And it was the first thing on my mind. I was like, I should write a book. So I woke up, went to my desk, and I sat there for 48 hours, and I wrote the book in two days.
0: Oh, seriously?
1: Yeah. It was just like was something that just dawned on me, and I was like, okay, I got to do this. And I was like, I know this is going to help a lot of people who are studying SMC, and they just can't figure out certain, certain parts of it, certain moving parts of SMC, like strong high, strong lows. And then, uh, especially with the psychology part of it, you know, I go into a lot of psychology behind how to trade in that fashion, right? Uh, that book, uh, you know, that there's a lot of people that had, have read that book and they hit me up and they're like, hey, read your book. Great book. Love your book. I'm like, thanks. Do you coach, you know, the methods in this book? I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't anymore. I don't trade that way. So I don't. And that's why I had a big YouTube channel. I took everything down because I just don't trade SMC anymore. You
0: oh, so the, so the Market Makers Matrix is based on an SMC style yeah, trading. SMC. Ah, okay, right.
1: Right, right. So it's based on SMC, and a lot of people got value from it. Um, but I no longer trade that way. So I don't right. love the book anymore. I don't, you know. Yeah. It's cool that I still have it out there. It's still on Amazon. You still get it, and it's still a great book, it's still quality it read. And people get a lot from it who are, who, you know, want to trade that style. I'm not mm-hmm. saying there's anything bad about an SMC style. It's actually a great style. If, yeah. if you have a mental fortitude for it, you have it, that. Yeah, That book's great, especially for an entry-level uh, beginner who wants to learn more about you know, SMC concepts.
0: And, and you talk about, like, you know, if you've got the mindset for it If uh, and you talk about mindset, I mean, it seems like your mindset was pretty good at the start. Uh, would you agree with that? And do you do anything to sort of keep it on track?
1: Uh, at the start of my trading, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, my mindset wasn't that great. You know, I still went through all the uh, the things that the typical trader goes through—the the struggles of, you know, why is everybody else making money? Why am I not? How did they catch this trade? How come I'm not in that trade? I'm too dumb, I'm too stupid, whatever the the excuses in your in your head, you know, the negative self talk. You know, those things still even now they still sometimes arise. You know, when I see some of my trading mentors, and and I'm like, how did they catch that one? I didn't. I didn't see that. You know, and and you can beat yourself up for it, or you just say, you know, it. I just I just didn't see it. It was just not part of you know my strategy today, or I just I was you know something was bothering me in my head, or you know I just wasn't ready for it, or whatever the excuse is. Um, but no, I ha- I had a plenty of tough times. I've had time. I've broken down crying on my computer before. You know, <laughs> like it, it was a very frustrating journey. Okay. And, you know, it, I, I think everybody goes through it, and and it's necessary. Um you know, it's, it's part of the the process to, to, to get there. And and if you're thinking like, if you're thinking um, the the further I get into this, the worse I'm getting, the more knowledge I take on the worse I'm getting, because that's a commonality too, is uh, you're, you're not getting worse. You know, you're just, you're, you're putting more uh, pieces to your puzzle and, you know, that's something that I learned from somebody on YouTube, you know, when I was going through that phase, I was, you know, dang, and the more I know, the, the worse I'm getting, you know. Uh, and I, I picked up that psychology tip. It's like, no, you're not, you're not getting worse. You're, you're actually learning what you need to be learning. You're exactly where you need to be. Mm. Uh, you're just, you just have an information overload, you know. Yeah. So it, it's kind of, I, I would say trading is one of those things where you have to learn a bunch of stuff and then forget most of it. You know, yeah, yeah, it's there. funny. but
0: It just reminds me of my golf, like you know, 12 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, I went around in less than 90, and I since then got gradually worse up until like it just the last few last month, even the last month, I actually started getting better again. Right. <laughs> I got so bad that I was going around in 130, and it was I could not hit the ball um so and i'm finally just starting to go back and, and get better now right um we're going to dive into the quickfire round here and then uh then wrap up so um first question is how long did it take you to go from trading newbie to consistently profitable
1: uh probably let's see like two or three years like two and a half to three years
0: and that was based on that was starting from what point because you did start when you were sixteen, I suppose. So I mean, yeah. Is so, it? yeah.
1: I mean, when I was when I was trading penny stocks, I was profitable. Um, you know, so I had that early. I had that early um, lesson in trading. I knew like what trading was about. It wasn't like I just dived into something. And I also had you know uh, success in the options market as well before I dived into forex. So I kind of had the. Uh, the psychology a bit, you know, I had a little bit of psychology skills, mental skills. Um, I had skills before entering forex, So the transition wasn't that hard, you know. So I would say yeah, around three years to see like two and a half to see any sort of consistency. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: And and just to, for people listening, if you stay to the end, I'll tell you a fun fact around penny stocks at the end of the show. Um, what's your favorite entry setup?
1: Uh breakout pullback entry as simple as it sounds. Uh,
0: what strategies do you use for exiting trades and managing them?
1: Uh, I use key levels.
0: and do you use any break evens or trailing stops or anything like that?
1: Yeah, yeah. I always use a stop loss and and if uh, market reaches a certain point, I'll set my I'll sell the break even.
0: Uh, what's your recommended trading book or resource?
1: the market makers matrix yeah. uh mark douglas uh trading in the zone uh okay. that was a really good book to help with your psychology for sure
0: and what's your preferred broker and trading platform
1: um right now i would say i'm always testing new ones there's one that i'm testing right now called n1cm uh and the reason i'm testing this is because they have a thousand uh, leverage so one to one thousand
0: hey folks ever wonder what broker i use well i use hanko trade it was a no-brainer because i was looking for a broker with good trading conditions and one that wouldn't restrict my leverage now by joining hanko trade i've also cut down my trading costs significantly with their super low commission of just one dollar per 100k you can learn more at hankotrade.com or just click the link i've put in the description okay and is that mt4 mt5 c trade or something oh, else uh, and what was your worst ever trade do you want to walk us through that
1: yeah, my worst trade was uh, AMC recently, actually, probably a couple months ago. um uh, I actually sent out to my telegram group at the time. I said, "Hey, like uh, probably should buy AMC. And I bought AMC and it was you know for uh, one thousand to ten thousand in one day. and then quickly blew that the next day.
0: Oh, jeez. yeah. um <laughs> if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would it be?
1: um not to give up to keep pushing and do not trade with live funds like just stop you know like you have demo get consistent on there get consistent on the demo you can take as many shots as you want and you're not gonna lose any live money there's no point to trading uh with live funds unless you got something going for you
0: cool cool look before we wrap up what's the best way for traders to get hold of you
1: uh you can check out my website, uh BlackRabbitfree.com. I give free tips, free resources, and uh, free lessons. So you can definitely check that out.
0: Okay, cool. Now for those that did stick around to listen to this penny stock story, it's not that good, but uh, I was watching an episode of Below Deck, this reality TV series last week, and I'm like, what the hell? They got Tim Timothy Sykes was on there as one of the guests on the on the yacht. Oh. And I'm like, damn it, I've interviewed that guy in like episode, I can't remember, it was my first podcast, 52 Traders. I'm like, I've interviewed that guy who's on, he uh, was on Below Deck, couldn't believe it. If you want to go and check that out, I think it is in the members area of Trading Nut um, under the 52 Traders podcast. Right, look, a big thank you to Evan for sharing with us today. Everything we've discussed here, along with all the links are in the show notes. To find them, simply search for Evan in the search box on tradingnut.com. Until next time, wish sure all my listeners trading happiness and success. All right, folks, so there you have an interview done and dusted with Evan. Now, we did re- record a video after this where he breaks down his advanced s trading strategy this is pretty crazy stuff never seen it here on the channel before go and check it out over there on the youtube channel Uh, other things to remember we've got that light those live streams happening so we're going to be doing some stuff with the federal crest funding challenges over there so go and check those out to be in as part of that Uh, other things the robot builders club if you do want to join in january or february this year 2023 i'll give you that boot camp recording the recordings of the boot camp and also the download for the lazy river so hit me up lazy river support at uh, tradingnut.com and we'll get you that boot camp when you join the robot builders club in these two months all right folks thanks for watching thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next episode which if you're on youtube you can click around and get access to that now